Parashas Kedoshim has many mitzvahs, many of the 613 mitzvahs, about 60, I think, one of the largest numbers of any parasha in the Torah. A few mitzvahs are in one pasuk, Lo sikom, Right there, those ten words or so have three, three of the Tarek mitzvahs, three of the 613 mitzvahs, Lo sikom, do not take revenge, Lo sitar, do not bear grudges. That, that's, those are two separate mitzvahs of the 613. The famous commandment to love, uh, the, to, to love your friend as yourself. We're going to focus tonight on the first two of these three. We are commanded not to take revenge and not to, uh, not to bear grudges. The, the Christians famously adopted an attitude of turning the other cheek. Turning the other cheek, of course, is actually a pasuk in Echa, yitain l'makei ulechi, that if a person is, if, if someone smites him, he should just turn his cheek to the, to the oppressor. That's, I think, in the context of Echa, of Golis, of submitting to the, the wrath of Hashem. But the Christians famously said that uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, he says that uh, Yeshu says, you have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The Old Testament is full of vengeance. But I say, uh, Yeshu said, if a man strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. So the Christians, kind of the mind boggles, they seem to have honored this uh, vastly more in the breach than in actuality. Our history with Christianity is bloody, uh, confrontational, and so on not very much turning the other cheek, but the, the Christians pride themselves on being even uh, more pious than the Old Testament, but the Old Testament itself commands us, the Torah commands us, we are not allowed to take revenge, we're not even allowed to bear grudges. Now, as we'll see, it's not so simple. You think these are very simple commandments. Which word don't you understand? Don't take revenge, don't bear grudges. But as we'll see, it's not quite so simple. There are a number of cases in which the poskim, the, the Talmud, and later authorities either actually uh, condone, either grudgingly or even uh, forthrightly, taking revenge in certain cases. And the truth is, uh, Akash Baruch himself, God is described as being no kemu balchema. God is often described as being a vengeful God, Kelkana, Kelkana Venokem, and so on. And we're told in Matatio Dei that we're supposed to imitate God. So revenge is obviously not something that's as black and white as these Pesukim seem. We have the whole parasha of Goel Hadam, the blood avenger. Someone's relative is killed. He has a dispensation, maybe even a mitzvah, to kill the, to kill the, the murderer. So as we'll see, we're not going to explore everything, but as we'll see, it's not actually so simple, this, this question about whether... Revenge is absolutely prohibited or has some dispensations. That's what we're going to explore tonight. So, the most famous statement of Chazal about revenge and losikum and lositar is a brisa in Torah Kahanim, in the Sifra. It's brought by the Talmud Bavli, it's brought by Rashi, it's a, it's a widely quoted brisa. The, the Midrash says, the brisa says, what is Nikima, what is Natira, what are some examples? So it gives examples. Somebody says, lend me a tool, lend me your magal, a sickle, and the guy says, nope, not lending it to you. And tomorrow, the, 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 the fellow who refused today turns around and says, I want to borrow your tool. Can I borrow your cardum? Can I borrow your spade? And I say, I'm not going to lend it to you because you didn't lend yours to me when I needed it. 
So that's a classic example of taking revenge. Lakach nemar lo sikum. Do not take revenge. That is Asur Midaraisa. What is Natira bearing a grudge? So the Brisa goes on. He says, Hashuleni kardumcha. Can I borrow your spades? And he says, No. And then tomorrow he turns around and says, Can I borrow your magel? Can I borrow your, uh, your sickle? He says, Yes, you, you may. I'm not like you, Aini Kamoscha. I'm not a uh, I'm not a mean person like you who's stingy and refuses to lend out his tools. That's called bearing a grudge. You 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 didn't take revenge. You treated him. You gave him what he needed. You didn't you didn't revenge yourself on him, but you rubbed it in, and you and you said that uh, you bore the grudge. You still resented the fact, and you reminded him of the fact that he wouldn't lend you uh, a tool in your time of need. Now the language of the of the of the Bryce and the Tarskanim and the Bavli is that you say, I'm not going to lend it to you, I'm still bearing a grudge, I'm going I'm to lend it to you, even though you didn't lend it to me, you're still, you're still nursing a grudge. One might think that you only violate Lositar if you actually verbalize this, if you actually articulate the grudge, but poskim say that that is not the case. At least, at least some poskim say that is not the case. Rabbeinu Yonah and Shari Tshuva. Rabbeinu Yonah says that, he brings this price, that if you say, I'm not like you, that's Lositar. And he adds, however, the punishment is not for, for, for Deber. You don't need to express it to, be, to violate this law. The mere act of bearing the grudge in your heart, even if you don't verbalize it, that itself is sufficient to violate Lositar. The Chavetz Chaim, we'll discuss his comments in more detail soon, but the Chavetz Chaim says that in addition to being Rebbein Shita, that is the Shita of the Sefer Achinuch, also uses language that, that implies that the mere, the mere perpetuating and remembering the grudge in your heart, that is, that is Lositar. Rambam also, when the Rambam describes Lositar, he says, The Torah obligates you to erase it from your heart, meaning even if you're not going to say anything about it, but if you're still nursing it in your heart, that still violates Lositar. That is quite a tall order, a very difficult thing to do, but that's what the Torah expects, according to these Rishonim. The Chavot endorses this, doesn't bring any dissenting view, that the Torah expects you to, eventually at least, we'll discuss how long you have soon, but uh, eventually at least you're expected to remove this from your heart. Now, it, parenthetically, we should mention, Lasikum and Lasitar don't really have systematic codified halacha. It's not like the laws of Ono or fraud, which are extensively, uh, extensively enumerated in Shulchan Aruch. It's not like the laws of Hilcha Shabbos or the laws of... Uh, Laws of Kinyanim, which are which are which are very detailed and very systematic, Lasikim and Lositar, they're almost treated like muster. There's no real Shulchan Aruch on them. They're treated as halacha. They are two of the 613 mitzvahs. But as we're going to see, all the quotes are basically from Rishonim, even Rebbeinu Yonah. Rebbeinu Yonah was a great posik, was a great halachist. But Rebbeinu Yonah here, we're quoting from Shari Tshuva. Shari Tshuva is his muster work. The third shahar of Shari Tshuva, Shari Tshuva is broken up into several sharim. the third shahar of Shari Tshuva is halachic. He, he goes through mitzvah after mitzvah, all the things a person can do wrong, and he writes in a, in a rigorous halachic way. It's, it's not a systematic code of law, but, but he writes carefully and precisely, and the Chavetz Chaim and other Akronim have pointed out that we can, we can derive, it's not, an ord, it's not a simple Musa Sefer, we can derive halacha from, from that section of Shari Tshuva. But in general, as we're going to see, we're not going to find much in the way of Shulchan Aruch here, Lasikum and Lasitar was never treated systematically and rigorously the way uh, the way more classic uh, the way more classic parts of Shulchan Aruch are. Now, even the Chavetz Chaim that I was quoting, the Chavetz Chaim is famous, of course, as both a Baal Halacha and as a 
Bal Musr and Bal Ashkafa. The passage I was quoting is from his halachic work, from his safe, from his his eponymous sefer of Lashon Hara, <coughs> but not really from the halachic section. It's actually from his introduction. The Chavetz Chaim, in his introduction to Sefer Chavetz Chaim, the laws of Lashon Hara, he wrote a famous introduction where he says that even though there's no specific prohibition that focuses on Lashon Hara in the Torah, there's not one specific, not not necessarily one specific lav. There are many, many mitzvahs and averas that one violates if he engages in Lashon Hara and evil speech. A, there are a total of 31 between mitzvahs assays and mitzvahs los assays, positive and negative commandments, and errors and uh, imprecations of the Torah. A person can violate as many as 31 different mitzvahs by saying Lashon Hara. Not every case violates all 31, but overall there are 31 mitzvahs that, that, you, that you can violate. So two of those mitzvahs, Together are Lasikim and Lasitzer. So the Chavetz Chaim has one of the few classic halachic discussions of Lasikim and Lasitzer in halachic literature in the introduction to his Hilchus Lashon Hara because the, the hook is because by saying Lashon Hara, if, if, if you say, if, if, if you're angry at somebody for mistreating you, so you, you, you revenge yourself by saying Lashon Hara, that's Lasikim. And if you simply bear the grudge, it can, it can be Lasitzer. So that's where the Chavetz Chaim discusses Lashon Hara. I'll call upon him the Chavetz Chaim Paskins based on Rabbeinu Yonah and the Rambam and the Sefer Achinuch. That Lashon Hara is not that uh, Losikim and Los, that Losito is not limited to verbal expressions. This is a scary thing to think about. Even a mere internal bearing of a grudge violates the, the Vera of Losito. Now there's a Gemara in Yoma. The Gemara in Yoma begins to discuss what we, what we mentioned earlier, that Losikim and Losito are not unequivocally bad. There are certain cases where apparently being vengeful is actually recommended, is actually desirable. The Gemara begins, Why was Shaul punished? So it says, because Shaul, because there were people who, uh, who mocked Shaul, who disrespected him, who said, there were Bnei Belial, scoundrels, who said, what's Shaul going to do for us? How's he going to help us? And they scorned him, they didn't give him a res- respectful gift. But he Shaul didn't say anything, Shaul simply let it go. He refused to. Uh, he, he refused to stand up for himself. So, 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 so Shaul let people, as we would say, Shaul let people walk all over him. And then afterwards, the Gemara says, "What happened? What was the what was the consequence of this?" So the Gemara says, "Nachash Amoni, Nachash, the king of Ammon, he uh, made a, he made a military expedition against Yavesh Gilad, against the city of Jews." And uh, and, uh, and 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 that's what happened um, as, as, a, as a consequence of because Shaul because Shaul, because Shaul refused to stand up for his honor, Nachashamoni marched against the Jews. You could learn it was a punishment, or you could learn it was a consequence because he didn't take his kingship seriously. People, people, other enemies didn't take him seriously either. But uh, but whatever it is. Shaul was criticized for being too meek. For, in general, the various Jewish thinkers say that was a, a chronic fault of Shaul. We find later in the story of Amalek, so when, when, when Shaul is commanded to exterminate Amalek, so he, he doesn't, he disobeys, he lets, uh, he lets the Agag and some of the King Agag and some of the animals survive. And when, when Shmuel calls him out, when Shmuel says, why did you do that? He said, the people asked me to do that. Shoal's fatal flaw was that he listened to the people too often. And, and, he, and they lecture him about it. They say that he was told, even if you're cut to you may be, you may have great humility, but but Roshifta Yisrael Atta, but you're you're the king and you have to you have to do what's right. You can't uh, 
let yourself be pushed around by people. That's what the Gemara says here, that Shoal's hate, at least in this case, was that he was too uh, tolerant. He let people abuse, abuse his honor and didn't, and didn't uh, do anything about it. In a similar vein, the Gemara generalizes, the Gemara brings a statement, Kol Any Talmud Chacham who does not revenge himself of slights and affronts to his honor, and he's not noter, he doesn't bear a grudge for it like a serpent, Eino Talmud Chacham is not a proper Talmud Chacham. The Gemara says, really? A Talmud Chacham is supposed to be no kim v'noter? What happened to Pashas Kedoshim? Which word don't you understand? Don't take revenge. Don't bear a grudge. So the Gemara says, an incredible, uh, an incredible limitation of these prohibitions, the Gemara says, and only applies when the offense was a monetary offense. Like the examples in the Taras Karnam, it brings the price. It says, when does Nakama apply when he refused to lend you his magal? When does Natira apply when he refused to lend you his card? He refused to lend you tools. So the offense was merely a, a matter of money. Then you're commanded Losikam and Lositar. But if you're insulted, if you're personally uh, hurt, then Nikima and Natira, the, the lavim of Nikima and Natira, do not apply. So that's a tremendous uh, limitation of the prohibition of Nikima and Natira. So then the Gemara says, really, is that true that Tzara de Gufa, that for personal insults, the lavim of Nikima and Natira do not apply? Brings another brisa. The brisa says, though who those who are humiliated, who are insulted, but do not uh, retaliate in kind, do not insult their uh, the offender in return, who are sham charpasan, they they hear their disgrace, their shame, but they take the high road and they don't answer back. The pasuk says about them. What does the pasuk say about them? And shoftim. This is a pasuk from the Shira of Dvara, but uh, the, the Gemara applies it to this. That they that love him, the, the love Hashem, will be like the sun when it shines forth and its might. A tremendous praise for people who have the, the spiritual strength to refrain from retaliating in kind when they're insulted. So the Gemara says that, that you see that, that you're not supposed to uh, take revenge even when you're personally insulted. So the Gemara says that a grudge is okay. Loans and nakit le it, that you, you are allowed to keep a grudge. The the the, 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 the here is praising those who don't insult people back, but taking a grudge is still appropriate. But Rava says, anyone who uh, lets things go, who doesn't uh, who, who doesn't make a big deal out of insults, who, who, who who's mochel insults, Hashem will be mochel his sins. So the Mar says, yeah, that's only mafayis le mafayis. That's if the person feels bad and tries to make it up. He tries to appease you. But if he doesn't do that, then the Talmud Chacham should not, should not give in. There's no losikam, it's Tzara de Gufa, he's not at Belibe at least, and maybe even more than that. And if, if it's Tzara de Gufa, the, 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 the Gemara says, that there is, the Gemara seems to say, there is no prohibition of at least lositar, when it, and maybe, maybe not even losikam, when it is, uh, there's no losikam and lositar, when there, it, it seems to say there's no losikam nor lositar, when there's Tara de Gufa, when a person is personally insulted. The Chavetz Chaim argues that there's a machlokas whether we pass from like this Gemara. Chavetz Chaim, we mentioned earlier, is discussing Lasikum and Lasitar. So in the main text of the Sefer, in, in, his, in his main uh, summary of the rules of Lasikum and Lasitar, he says that when you violate Lasitar, Lasikum and Lasitar, if someone does something to you, Shailas Maman, someone does something to you regarding lending you property, and uh, or other examples like that, and and, and you have re- you take revenge or bear a grudge, 
that's when you violate the, the prohibition. So in the Bar Mayim Chaim, which are his more detailed analyses of, of the topics at, at hand, he says, why did I say money? What happened to uh, the case where somebody insulted you? He says, the truth is, if someone insulted you, there's actually a machlokis, whether Lasikim and Lasita reply. Many poskim take this Gemara and Yoma at face value, that the Gemara said, based on the Taras Khanim, the Gemara says, Lasikim and Lasita is only when the offense was limited to a, to a monetary offense. But if it's Tzir Tzar if he hurt you personally with an insult, then you're allowed to, uh, then, then, then you're... That then you're that, that then you're allowed to have bear a grudge. He says. What about actual nakam in such a case? What about to go say lashon hara on him? He insulted you, so you're going to go uh, make a fool out of him and tell his dirty secrets in public and make everyone make a mockery out of him. That the Chavetz Chaim says it's tzarechi and gadol, because even if we're going to tell you that you have the right to do that, even if we're going to say that you that because he insulted you and made you feel bad, all the laws of lashon hara are suspended and you have the right to go and revenge yourself on him by saying lashon hara about him. Even if we would say that, he says, the problem is that the other person can't listen to you. The, the, the person, you're, it takes two to tango. When you say Lashon Hara, you have to have an audience. Today, I guess you can just record it into, a, uh, into your microphone and, and, not, uh, and not let it loose, not release it. But normally, that, that's not very satisfying. Normally, if you want to say Lashon Hara, you need a partner. That partner has no heter. So you, have this, so, so you violate the love of... Uh, so you violate the love of causing him to hear Lashon Hara because he has no heter. Also, he says, there are other issues, even if you're going to tell me that, that, that the Losikum doesn't apply, he says, maybe there's no Losikum, but, 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 but there are other Isurim involved in Lashon Hara. So, that we, have, we have 31 different Isurim, some of them still apply, he seems to say. So, therefore, he's not sure if, if the, the Hetra of the Gemara is, is, would, would, viol, would, would allow you to actually say Lashon Hara about him, but certainly, at least the Aver of Lositar, and maybe some of the other Isurim as well, would be suspended in the case of Sarah de Gufa. That is what uh, that is what some Rishonim say, based on the simple reading of the Gemara. Unless he asks Mechila, then he's supposed to forgive him, as the Gemara concludes. But uh, but there's no Lositer, and that's the opinion of the Smag and the Shari Tshuva, and the previous discussion of the Shari Tshuva. He brings this Gemara down as being normative. So the simple reading of the Gemara, which is endorsed by some Rishonim, is that if the person's offense against you went beyond a mere, uh, a mere financial offense, he actually hurt you personally, then Lositar, and maybe even some of the laws of Lashon Hara, do not apply. However, the Chavetz Chaim says, although there's nobody who explicitly, who entirely explicitly rejects this, there are other Rishonim who strongly imply that they do not accept this Gemara as normative. The Sefer HaChinuch, the Sefer HaChinuch seems to say, even if it was Taraguf, because he writes, when does Nikima, when does Nikama apply? Shehera Otir. If Oyachivu Ladam, someone hurt you or made you or Tsar and Cave, Kafalapes, those sound like uh, not just money, those sound like he did personally hurt you. Also because the Chinuch brings the story of Shimi Ben Gera. And the story of Shimi Ben Gera was that uh, Shimi Ben Gera was an enemy of David. And he cursed David when when when, he, when David was on the run, he cursed David and he uh, he cursed him with uh, with a, uh, a, a heinous curse, and some of David's associates wanted David to kill him for, 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 for cursing the king. And David said, Let him go. So uh, I deserve it. It's a, it's a, Hashem made it happen to me. It's my hate. It happened because of my hate. And, and, and David did not. That's an example, the Chinuch says, of following the mitzvah of Losiko. But that Lachara is, uh, is Taraguf. He, he, he hurt you, he insulted you. So, Tara Guf, the Gemara, seems to say, we don't have Losiko. 
So the Chinuch seems to assume we don't follow this Gemara Lahalacha. We'll discuss why soon. We don't follow this Halacha. Rambam, the Sefer Chinuch point, the Chavetz Chaim points out, the, the Rambam doesn't bring this, this, this distinction between Sarah, Guf, and Maman. Rambam seems to indicate that Lahalacha, there's no such distinction. So the Chavetz Chaim concludes that it's a Machlokas, that the, some Rishonim accept this Gemara, some Rishonim do not accept this Gemara. What's the Halacha? Halacha Lamaisa? So even though in the main text of the Sefer he, he limited his discussion of Lasikam and Lasitar to, to an offensive mammon, but his conclusion in his Bermayim Chayim is, although it is indeed a machlokas, he says, Midaraisa, whether it's mutra or not, Sveka Daraisa Lachumra, because it is a machlokas on a Din Daraisa, we apply the classic rule, Sveka Daraisa Lachumra, when in doubt on, a, on an Isser Daraisa or Machmer, because of the stringencies of biblical mitzvahs. So... Chavetz Chaim says he should be machmer, but he concedes that it actually is that it actually is a machlok as we shown. What about the Gemara? How, how, how do we deal? How do we deal with the Gemara? The, 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 Gemara, the Gemara seems to uh, the, 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 the the Gemara seems pretty clear that Losikum does not apply to Tzar Haguf. So he says maybe the Gemara is retracting that when the Gemara brings the Bryce by Eleven Ben Amolvim that you're not supposed to uh, shoot back with an insult. The Gemara is the, the Gemara is. Uh, the, the, the Gemara is rejecting its earlier approach. So whatever it is, we're not going to go much further into the details of how to understand the sugya, but the Chavetz Chaim, contemporary writers, assume this is a machlok as we shown him, whether Losikom applies in a case where the, where the hurt that he did to you is a hurt of, is a hurt of Tzar HaGuf, of an insult, and, and, and so on. So that's, the Chavetz Chaim comes out that that is a, that's a machlok as we showed him. Incidentally, when uh, we mentioned the Chinuch, when the Chinuch discusses how the Torah wants you not to take revenge, the Chinuch says something which I always found uh, theologically perplexing. When he tries to give you... The, so the Chinuch, whenever he discusses a mitzvah, first he, first he gives you a basic outline of what the mitzvah is. Then he tells you Shirashia mitzvah, which, which are the, the rationales for the mitzvah, theological rationales, religious rationales, social rationales, various Kabbalistic rationales, various sorts of rationales for why the Torah commanded us with this mitzvah. And then he goes into Dini HaMitzvah where he tells you the laws of the mitzvah, then he, uh, the, the halachas. Then he has a final section where a, a, a unique uh, twist, he has a final section, he, he tells you what would you have to do to violate the mitzvah. Specifically, when does it apply? Eretz Yisrael, it's men, women, when exactly does somebody violate this mitzvah, under, under what circumstances? So in the Shirashi HaMitzvah where he gives the rationale for the prohibition of, of Losikam and Lositar, so the, the Chinuch says, a person has to contemplate the fact. A person has to uh, inculcate in himself the belief that God runs the world, that divine providence is in control. Anything that befalls him, that is, a, uh, that is caused by God. God. God runs everything. A man cannot harm you unless it was Ratzon Hashem, unless it is God's will. No human being can harm you. Therefore, if you are injured by somebody else, someone hurts you, causes you tsar or cave. That's where the Chavetz Chaim is medayik, even Saragov. If someone causes you pain, he says, a person has to tell himself, it's not him, it's my Averis, it's, it's, it's punishment for my sins. And you shouldn't, he's just, he's just the, the proximate cause, he's just the implement, but it's not really him, and it's nothing to do with him. Who ain't no sibas for us, so he's not really the cause of your misfortune. The sin is the true cause, and he brings the Pasuk of Shmuel that, uh, that, 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 that David said about Shemim and Geira, let him go. Hashem told him to do it. What do you mean Hashem told him? Hashem said, don't do it. Hashem said, don't curse people. What do you mean Hashem told him to do it? 
he means that, that if he did it, it must be God's will. Nothing happens to people in this world that's not God's will. Therefore, he is not uh, retaliating against him. He's basically shooting the messenger. There's no point. It's not, uh, he's not the one who did it. And that's, the, that's one of the reasons the Chinuch gives for why Nekama is prohibited. I always had trouble. I have, for a very long time, I've had trouble with this reason. Because first of all, if you really take this kind of argument seriously, it would also follow that it doesn't make sense to have a karzatov either, or to be nice to people who are nice to you, because really it was Hashem's will that I should have good things. I was a tzaddik, I did well. Why does this argument, obviously we don't say that. Kibbut Abayim, other mitzvahs of a karzatov. Obviously, when it comes to someone who does good to you, we are willing to give him credit. So why, uh, why, why is it logical that, that when someone does something good to you, we say that we have to accept that, that, that he did it, and we owe him thank you and gratitude. But when it comes to something bad, we say, oh, it wasn't really him, it was really God, he was just the God's tool, and so on. So I'm not sure how that's consistent. And more fundamentally, the assumption that everything that happens to people in this world is God's will, as we've discussed many times in the past, is very, very debatable. The extent of everyone, everyone agrees it's a fundamental axiom of Jewish theology that God uh, has an influence over the world, that God causes things to happen, but not necessarily everything. Many we showed him said that even though even though God does run the world, He allows certain things in the world to happen according to the laws of nature. That He allows the, that He that He allows the world to uh, to run its course. And we've discussed, for example, the Ramban says that when a person's sick, he shouldn't go to a doctor. He should go to a Navi to find out the, the true reason for his illness. Other, other thinkers strongly reject that. They say, God put us in this world. We're supposed to, the world runs according to Derech HaTeva, and we're supposed to tell, we're also supposed to go to God. We're also supposed to be Mishtadel. And, and the way some Rishonim explained that, it's because some things that happen, God does leave us to, uh, God does leave us to, the, to, to be controlled by the laws of nature. Particularly when it comes to other human beings, there's actually a Kabbalistic doctrine espoused by the Arachayim HaKadosh and the, and the Ramosha Alshech. But especially when it comes to human beings who have autonomy, who have free will, God allows people who have free will to act on their free will and do things even that, even that harm other people, even if that wasn't decreed by God. So the idea that, I, that, that am I really supposed to believe that every single thing that happens in the world was God's will... We just had Yom HaShoah, when the, when, when the Nazis killed millions of Jews. Am I really supposed to not be angry at them because it was just God's will? I don't think that's mainstream Jewish theology. We're supposed to accept that there is Shoah, even if we believe on some level that, that God decreed it. We're, we're also supposed to recognize that they were uh, monstrous, uh, monstrously evil people. And uh, yes, we, we do do that. So I'm not sure why when it comes to the mitzvah of Nekama, all of a sudden we take this very pious approach that it's not really them, it's really God's will. I don't really understand this reason so well. The Chinuch gives another reason as well. He says that, that the, the, the prohibition against Nakama is supposed, it has good, uh, it, 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 it's, it's designed to, for the, for the smooth running of society. We don't want uh, cycles of violence and blood feuds and endless, uh, retali- endless cycles of retaliation. It's good for society to have, for, for, for offenses to be forgotten and calmed down and not for everything to be turned into vendettas and so on. But I'll call upon him. It, this is one fundamental machlokas, the way the Chavetz Chaim understands, between the Sefer HaChinuch and the Rambam on one hand, and Rabbi Yon and the Smag on the other hand, whether Nakama applies always, or whether it's limited to cases where the offense that was perpetrated against you was merely monetary, but where the offense was, uh, where the offense was Sarah de Gufa, personal humiliation, 
then some say that uh, the prohibition of Mechamah does not apply. And this is somewhat, Halach said this is somewhat moot, because the Chavetz Chaim says we have to be Machmer, because but in the course of his discussion, the Chavetz Chaim has another major leniency, and this one is Halach The Chavetz Chaim says, and even according to the stringent view, even according to the view of the Chinuch and the Rambam, that Nekamah is prohibited even in a case of Tzara de Gufa, even in a case of personal hurt. However, he says that's only, that's only when you want to take your revenge cold. When you want to take revenge afterward, after you've calmed down, you want to, you want to enjoy your revenge uh, in a cold and deliberate fashion, that's Aser. However, he says, Bishas Maisa, in the heat of the moment where he just insulted you, you are allowed, Meikar Adin, Midaraisa, you are allowed to respond in kind. He calls you an ugly name, you're allowed to say, and so are you, and you're worse, and so on, you're allowed to do that. It's a mitzvah, he says, it's a, it's a meat of tova. Someone who has elevated, lofty character will avoid that, will, will fulfill the, the precept of Hanelav Menem Olvim. That, that's a very high madrega, he says. To refrain, even at, the, even at the heat of the moment, to refrain even then from retaliating, that's something which you are not strictly obligated to do. The the Chavetz Chaim says. It makes a lot of sense. The Torah doesn't demand that you do that. At the time where you're being insulted, strong words. It's impossible, the Chavetz Chaim says. It's impossible for a human being to be like a stone that's simply impassive like a stone, unless it's only possible for someone who God has blessed him with the holy midas, and like the Chinuch says, however he says, but, uh, but so the, so the mitzvah of, of Nekama does not apply at the moment of passion when you've just been insulted. That the Torah knows it cannot expect you to do. It's, it's a madrega, it's, a, it's, it's an aspiration, it's an ideal, but the Torah does not demand that you do that. The, the Torah's prohibition of revenge is only afterward, he says. You've already calmed down. Then the Torah says, don't take revenge coldly, don't re-arouse your passion, and don't even bear a grudge. And internally, he says, but the Torah demands that after a little bit of time has passed, you should let it go and uh, calm yourself and no longer bear the grudge. But at the moment of the, of the offense, at the moment of the insult, at least the Torah does not demand that you don't take revenge, because it is simply too difficult, it is simply, uh, it is simply too, too difficult that the Torah can't expect you to do that. Okay. Now, this idea that, the, that it's unreasonable to demand of a person that he be like an impassive stone that, that doesn't react, so here we've seen it in the context of the prohibition of Nakama. but the truth is this comes up in a civil law context as well. There's a fascinating tradition, there's a fascinating string of rulings by the medieval German authorities, various Rishonim of Ashkenaz, that, that apply a similar principle in civil questions as well. In other words, not just somebody uh, took revenge and we're dealing with an Isra of Losikam, if someone did something to someone that was civilly liable, he called him a name, which in some cases insults are, are actually engender civil liability and even criminal liability in some cases. They used to punish people for, for insults. So, or even, even in certain cases where he caused him an actual, an actual concrete injury, he informed on him to the government and caused him harm. The question, so normally these things are civilly liable. The question is, what if the person's defense is, I was provoked, he started, I, I was, uh, I, was uh, I, I, I just punched back. He said something horrible to me, I said something horrible back to him. He did something terrible to me, so I just struck back and I informed on him to the government. Is that a dispensation, is that a valid defense against a civil or criminal claim in Basin? So there's a long string of, of there's a long tradition going back to the Maram of Rattenberg 
that there is such a defense. Maram of Rattenberg himself is actually somewhat ambivalent about it, but later Poskim accepted. We have a long string of Poskim who say, similar to what the Chinuch says and the Chavetz Chaim say, the Chinuch and the Chavetz Chaim say in the context of Losikom and Lositar, we find a string of similar rulings in the context of civil liability where there's a defense to say he started. Now we should note, when your defense is he started, there are two possible defenses you have. One defense is self-defense. He, certainly, if, he, if someone comes over and takes a swing at you, and you, and you tr- knock him down so he'll stop hitting you, that's self-defense. That, that's certainly mutter. Secondly, we're dealing with something else. We're dealing with even when it's not self-defense. He's done. He came over, he slapped you, he turned around and walked away. He insulted you, and now he's done. He's finished. He's, he walks back to his seat. There's no self-defense involved. It's not a, he's not an ongoing threat. You just hit him back or insult him back because you're so angry and your passions are so aroused that you, you feel, the, like, like, the, like the Chinuch says, if we, we, a person is not a stone. That's what we're talking about here. Even that, the, there's a tradition among the Germans that the first thing is Pashit. Self-defense is certainly a dispensation. But even where it's not self-defense, even where it's simply uncontrollable passion, even that, there's a long string of rulings of the German poskim that the Torah holds you exempt from liability, or the, or the, or the, or the, of, the of the communities that, 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 held, that, that hold you exempt from liability, because you recognize it's not really your fault, it's not, really, it's not reasonable to expect you to take the high road in such a case. I, 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 I first researched this about 10-15 years ago. I came across an article that some states in the South had laws, some of them still have laws for all I know, some states in the Deep South had laws that if a person catches another man with his wife or with his daughter and he murders the guy, that there's a defense to the, there's a defense that uh, I, I was provoked. And apparently, in the, I was reading this, uh, I was reading a discussion of this by Professor Eugene Volokh. He was pointing out that if you, if you read the, the statutes, there, there are two ways they express this. One of them is self-defense. The man as the head of the household, very uh, you know, old school notions, but the man as the head of the household it's his job, it's his duty, it's his prerogative to protect his women from, uh, from this type of uh, outrage. And if he kills somebody, that's a form of self-defense. And the other argument is legitimate provocation. Even if it's not self-defense, that we recognize that a, that a red-blooded man is going to react like this when he sees somebody with his, with his wife or daughter, and that's provocation. So in halacha, both these things have analogs, not necessarily in this case of a man with, uh, with, with a woman who belongs to you, but at least in the general idea that certain types of insults and outrages and offenses against a person are perceived as legitimate provocation, and if a person strikes back, as we're going to see now, there are, there are many postkim who have said that we're not going to hold him fully, civilly, or criminally liable because we recognize that he was, that he was faced with outrageous provocation. As I mentioned earlier, this begins with, a, with a several chuvas of the Maram Bar Baruch, the Maram of Rattenberg, one of the greatest postkim of Germany, in one shuva, he says, he says there was a quarrel, and somebody hit somebody else, struck him physically, and the, the victim, the victim of the of the of the blow, he went and he informed, he, he committed mesira, he informed on the aggressor and got him in trouble with the law, and he got him uh, he, had, he had to pay money. So normally, mesira is something which is actionable in halacha. If you cause somebody financial injury by informing on him to the government, certainly if it's an unjust government, you're going to be chayev as a moser. That's, that, that's the halacha. The question is here, he only did it in response to provocation. They, they hit him. They, they physically punched him. They, they, so the, and, he, and he did that in response. So is, is, is there any dispensation? 
So the Maram says, However, he says, If you are if you are accustomed to exempting him because he was struck, and we don't hold a person responsible for what he does when he's been outraged, when he's been offended like this, <coughs> then I accept that. If that's your custom, the Maram says very briefly, doesn't discuss what the source would be. It sounds like if it's a minhug, he says, but if that's your, if that's your approach, he says, then I accept that. That's what he writes in the first shuva. In the second shuva, he discusses a case, uh, he discusses also a case of Masira, and he says, some say that there was a defense, another case in Masira, informing, some say that there was, a, that here also he would be exempt from his Masira because, because uh, the other guy started up with him and he fought back. So some say this, the Maram says, and they say it's a Takana Takahilos. They say this was an enactment of the Jewish communities, a, a public policy ordinance they passed to, uh, to give somebody a, a defense that he was provoked. So says the Maram, even if there is such a Takana, he says, I, I can't believe, he says, I'm sure that they didn't exempt him from civil liability. All they exempted him from was criminal liability. We, I, I always say, our Batidin don't actually practice the criminal justice of the Torah, of the Gemara with uh, execution for Shabbos desecration and so on. All, all the stuff of the Gemara we don't actually practice, but, the, but, but the, the communities do have a very broad right, but they didn't have a very broad right to enact all kinds of criminal sanctions as a means of deterrence and maintaining law and order. And in, in earlier generations where the Jewish communities were autonomous or semi-autonomous, they did this. They, they used their, their, uh, their power of punishment, cherem and flogging and so on, to deter behavior that they felt was religiously or socially intolerable. So if somebody committed an act in Masira, they would punish him. They, they would have a criminal punishment. In addition to civil liability, they would punish him with nidui, with excommunication, or la halkoso, they would flog him. Says Noaram, that's where the Tekanah Tequilos applies. If he was provoked, there's no need to punish him. Because we understand, his heart was warm, and he, and, and he, and he, and he struck back. So the, 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 the defense is a defense from criminal liability. However, he says, from civil liability, for payment for any damages, for compensation for damages that he caused, Dover Pashut, there's no such Takana Sakahilos. The Takana Sakahilos would not tamper with the, the framework of civil liability. Maram assumes, he says, if there's such a Takana, it's only with regard to criminal liability, not civil liability. So in the first Shuva, the Maram seemed to say that the Takana Sakahilos, that he would follow this Minog even with regard to civil liability. In the second, in the second Shuva, he seems to say it's only with regard, it's only with regard to, uh, to criminal liability, not civil liability. The Chavos Yar has a tshuva where he explores much later, a later German authority, 17th century. Maram of Rottenberg was 13th century. The Chavos Yar was 17th century, 400 years later. He has a tshuva where he explores this, inconsist- this apparent inconsistency in the tshuvas of the Maram. And he says, if it's Tara de Gufa, he says... He says the by Tzar de Gufa he doesn't mean what the Gemara means that that it was an insult insult he calls not Tzar de Gufa Tzar de Gufa he means a narrower definition the first case he was actually struck he was physically struck the old nursery rhyme sticks and stones may break my bones but names will, names will never hurt me Chavasiyar is going with that approach that names name calling is less serious than physic, physical injury in some contexts in halacha we say name calling is very very serious it could be even worse than. Uh, than physical injury. But the Chavetz here is working with the distinction between actual physical injury 
<coughs> which is more serious and mere uh, and mere financial injury or mere insult and uh, and libel and so on. So he says physical injury, the first shuva where the person was physically struck, then the the, the maram was willing to exempt the. The, 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 retaliate, the retaliator even from civil liability. In the, in the other cases where it's mere financial injury or, or mere slander, then he says the takana can be used to exempt you from criminal liability but not from civil liability. The problem is there's a third shuva of the maram. There's a third shuva of the maram where, where he was... Uh, there's a... There's a that that that, that the, the Maram has the Maram has a third shuva where, where where he also discusses where where he where he where he also discusses the, the question this was a question of physical injury someone claimed that the the, the the second person claimed that the first person bit him and that uh, if he reported him to the authorities it was in response to the provocation of being bitten so bitten is again tsar de gufa so the and here, the Maram says, even in the case where the person was actually bitten, he, and he brings it to Kana Sakilas, but he says, Efsher, perhaps he says that the Kana was only that he won't be criminally punished, he won't have Malchus, he won't be fined for, for punitive damages, he says. That they're not going to do, he says. But, to, uh, but, but, for, but for basic civil compensatory damages, for, uh, for basic compensation, even in the case of physical injury, the Maram seems to say there's no exemption. So in any event, the Maram, there are some inconsistencies in the Chuvah and the Maram, in, 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 in all three of his chuvas, the Marama acknowledges a minhag or a takana that they used to exempt people who were severely provoked. In some chuvas, the Marama seems to, seems to fail that that applies even with regard to compensation, even with regard to civil liability, compensatory damages. In other chuvas, he says, it's only with regard to punitive damages, fines, and criminal punishments. But in any event, the Maram, in all his chuvas, recognizes that there was some kind of tradition, a takana, he calls it in, in two of the chuvas, that they would exempt people who were severely provoked. In later German Rishonim, in the Marivail and the Marab Mirsberg, important later German authorities, 15th century, we find similar things. The Marivail has a case where, where uh, Ruvain was uh, struck by Shimon, that uh, until he was bleeding, he was bleeding down his forehead, and... Uh, and Shimon told, Shimon told uh, he, he goes on with the story, he says that Shimon was Tavaya from Ruvain, that Ruvain struck his wife. And Ruvain says that after Shimon struck him, uh, after Shimon struck him, he, he, struck, uh, he struck her. And he, for two reasons. First of all, in self-defense, because the woman had gotten involved in the fight between the, the men. And also he says he's Potter because he says, he says since she started, he says that the... He goes on and he says also because because kicham lavavo he brings the same pasuk of he brings the phrase kiyecham lavavo the pasuk of kiyecham lavavo is an allusion to a biblical verse in the context of goel hadam it says when someone kills b'shogeg we have to establish er miklat cities of or a miklat cities of refuge and the Torah says make sure he can get there make sure the cities are established and the roads are tochin lachaderech make sure the roads are are well prepared because we want to make sure he has the ability to get safely to the city of refuge, refuge before the blood avenger, before the Gal Hadam, the relative of his victim, strikes him dead, which he may do when his heart is warm. There's a discussion in the Gemara whether Gal Hadam is a mitzvah or a rishus, but the Torah does say, and the Maram of Rattenberg and the later German Rishonim, they adopt this phrase of as a, uh, as a basis or as a 
as a kind of uh, shorthand for the for the principle that we that, that that we don't hold people responsible for what they do when they are uh, when 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 their hearts are warm when it is. Uh, the, the, the Ram says when, when, it, when it's Yechem Levavo when it's Yechem Levavo the Rishonim say that, that, that that's, a, that's a dispensation whether it's Akana or some other reason that's a dispensation and uh, and, and, and we're not going to hold him live he says the Marachar Zerua says something similar he says Ruven struck Shimon Shimon Ba'ojali Bocham he called Ruven a Mamzer normally calling someone a Mamzer used to be civilly uh, actionable and they went to the Arzerua and the Rabbi Yitzchak of Vienna Rabbi Yitzchak Arzerua and and he said he's potter because he started Kiechem Levavo. Even though it wasn't self-defense, he wasn't trying to, by calling him a mamzer, he wasn't gonna forestall a second blow, either the person was gonna hit him again anyway, or he was done. Calling him a mamzer was just uh, just because you're angry. So nevertheless, he says, even though it was low hit the the, the Marival says there was no self-defense aspect here. Nevertheless, the, there's a pture of Kiecham, that is a pture of, of terrible provocation, and therefore He's not responsible. Similarly, in the Mara Mirsberg, another one of the great German Rishonim, late, 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 the, the later great German Rishonim, he says that Ruvain, uh, that, that Ruvain sued Shimon for calling him a mamzer. Shimon says, well, he first whispered that I'm a mamzer. So I said back, well, actually, you're a mamzer. So he said, uh, well, even though Ruvain only whispered it and Shimon said it out loud, he was just so angry at being called a mamzer that he yelled out loud, no, you're a mamzer. So says the <coughs> Mara Mirzberg has a number of different uh, arguments in this vein he seems to combine and conflate the, the, the two arguments, the argument of self-defense he says uh, he, at one point he says well, he can't restrain himself from taking revenge or he, either he or a, or, a, or a relative of his because of Lavavo. and then he says really it's a mitzvah for anybody to do it so he should, so he, he should stop doing it so he mixes in the idea of self-defense but uh, he brings in Gol Hadam as well. But I'll call upon him. He as well. He says that we have a, that we have the doctrine of Kiecham Lavavo, that uh, that we hold we hold people not responsible. Certainly not from certainly from criminal punishment. Maybe even from civil punishments, as we've seen. That just so again, just as we saw in the Sefer Achinuch and the Chavetz Chaim, that the biblical prohibition of not taking the kama doesn't apply. B'shas Ma'isa, B'shas Rogez, Kiecham Lavavo, while his heart is warm, the Torah's prohibition of Lasikum doesn't apply. Similarly, more broadly, the various liability that you have, civil and criminal liability, fines, compensatory damages, punitive damages, excommunication, and flogging, all the, some or all these various punishments, also, a number of Rishonim say, don't apply, or you have a defense if you, if you can show that you were un- unfairly provoked. We tell our children all the time, the, the, the child hits someone, so we say, why did you do that? So we say, well, he hit me first. We say, don't hit back, tell the teacher, tell, tell an adult. It's, it, it, obviously, it's an eleven benam oldam. Obviously, it's a madrega to do that. But, but, but we, we've seen tonight that the Torah does not, even adults, the Torah does not expect to be like an evan she'en lahofrim. The Chavetz Chaim says it's literally impossible except for people who God has blessed. It's an ideal, it's, an aspir, it's aspirational. You should strive for that. You should, you should strive to be one of the Nelovim, Benam Olvim, those who are insulted but do not uh, insult back. But it's literally, it's impossible, the Chavetz Chaim says, for someone who, for someone to be like a stone, to, 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 be, to, to be mute in the face of provocation. And, and that, that's why we see in the German Rishonim as well that there are various exemptions, either Mitakana or even Mikradin, learn from Goel Hadam, that someone is exempt. Again, the Maram said, the, the Maram in one of his chuvas said, in two of his chuvas said that you're, 
that you're pot that you're, you're potter from criminal liability, but you're higher for civil liability, that might indicate he didn't really think it was impossible. If he thought it was literally impossible, maybe he'd exempt you from civil liability as well. So I'm not sure it's literally impossible, but I'll call upon him, even though we tell our children don't hit back. That's an aspiration, certainly. That we, we certainly try to train them in good mitos. But as a matter of but as a matter of din, the halakha recognizes it is not reasonable to expect a person to do nothing in the face of terrible provocation. It's an ideal to strive for, but it's not something the Torah can demand. Neither mitzvah the mitzvah of losikom and according to some poskim, we're not going to hold you liable criminally, civilly, punitive damages, and so on for something that you did in response to a terrible provocation.